Father, we're so grateful for your love and mercy toward us, um, for your graciousness and kindness that brings us to repentance. So we'll be talking about that. Um, We thank you for um, Jesus and for all that he has done in our place and on our behalf to to satisfy you and to please you. And uh, we know that that's where our hope is and our assurance comes from him. And uh, we just pray that you would help us as we look to these doctrines, continue to teach us that we might grow spiritually and um, that we might learn more about you and um, the way that um, you love us and the way you love your son and the church and just teach us the things that would um, edify our our body and um, this body that you've put together. I thank you for all of them their kindness and their love towards me and my family and their willingness to come together and to study and to pray together like this and to worship and um, we're, we're very blessed and we thank you for putting us here and um, we ask that you would bless all the things that we've mentioned the people that we care about uh, those we love and uh, know that do not know Christ we lift them up to you that you would um, save them and we also ask for um, our family, any of our family that we know that do claim Christ, but maybe have um, gotten away from church and fellowship and um, the worship that um, is so vital to being a Christian. I pray for them that you would bring them back. Um, we know that you do that often, and um, we thank you for that. And we ask that you bless um, all those who will be traveling that you would protect us and bring us back together soon. Bless Melissa's parents, continue to take care of them and um, the, the sorrow that they've been feeling and the, the um, decisions that they're trying to make. And I just pray you would take care of them and, and her. She goes to see her grandkids. And um, Lord, for um, my family and all the stuff that's going on this summer and I know everybody's busy and so I just pray you'd help us all to navigate through these things and uh, do what's best um, for our families and Lord we we thank you for the time you give us with them and um, we just trust you to continue to give us more more blessing and more abundant life and we pray all this in Jesus name amen all right This is chapter 15 on repentance and repentance to life and salvation. And as I mentioned, it's kind of, I want to read through all these just so we have them all in our minds. And then we'll go back and just a little bit talk about the first one tonight. And then I got some things I'm still squaring away in my own mind and I want to, I want to be careful before I teach through it some of the elect it says in section one are converted after their early years having lived in the natural or in the natural state or without the spirit as it notates there um you know without the spirit of god within them for a time and served various evil desires and pleasures god gives these repentance to life as part of their effectual calling There is no one who does good and does not sin. 
even the best may fall into great sins and offenses through the power and deceitfulness of the corruption in them, along with the strength of temptation. Therefore, God has mercifully provided in the covenant of grace that believers who sin and fall will be renewed through repentance to salvation. Now, you understand that what it means by salvation there is saving all the way to the end, right? Because if you already have faith in Christ, that doesn't mean it's not saying you will again be given repentance to be born again, again, right? You understand that. It's a repentance to salvation. And so we have to be careful with that terminology um, because we use we too often use salvation interchangeably with justification. And that, that's one of the reasons we've been going through these things because to be born again, to be regenerated, to be... Um, brought from death to life that's being born again this repentance in this second section here is talking about uh, a repentance that God gives to his people after they've after we've fallen in sin to renew us right so uh, you probably understand that but I just want to make that clear um, number three Yes. So as believers. Saved, saved believer. Yes. Sinning. That's right. Because see what it says. Um, Even the best may fall into great offenses. Therefore God mercifully provided in the covenant of grace that believers. So this is obviously talking about believers. Under the covenant of grace. Even when we sin and fall, we are to be renewed through repentance to salvation. And of course, repentance comes from God. True repentance. Repentance. I don't think it's ever wrong for us to seek repentance. God forgive me. I know that I've sinned. Uh, I'm sorry. But real repentance comes from God. Um, something you can't generate. That's what it's saying here. It's a, it's a grace. I think it might say that a little later. It is a grace gift, repentance is. Now, earlier up here, um, repentance to life in section one, that's about unbelievers, right? Because even though the elect have to be a point in time when they are born again, that's what that's talking about. Some some people live in a natural state for a long time and they're given repentance to life as part of their effectual calling. That does not mean that I mean every everybody who's a believer experiences that, right? But there's a reason I think they put chapter one, uh, section one right there, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Let me finish reading through this. Section three, the saving repent, this saving repentance just talked about is a gospel grace. So there it is. In which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of the many evils of their sin, by faith in Christ, humble themselves for it with godly sorrow, hatred of it, and self-loathing. See, those are things, again, that's a gospel grace. That, that's something that God gives us, the gift of godly sorrow, hatred of our sin, self-loathing. You can't just determine, I'm going to hate sin from now on. Because if you tried that, it don't work very good. Now, there are a lot of days I want to do that. Most days. Why do I not hate this sin more? And, and, and that's why I'm saying it's not wrong to seek God. Lord, give me repentance for this because I don't feel it sometimes. I know it's sin and I, wanna, I don't want to be sorrowful. 
and I, and I think it's just important though to point that out. They pray for pardon and strength of grace and determine and endeavor by provisions from the Spirit to live before God in a well-pleasing way in everything. So see, there is exactly what they're saying. Hey, they pray for pardon and strength of grace to determine to endeavor to live the way God's called them to. Number four, repentance must continue throughout our lives because of the body of death and its activities. So it is everyone's duty to repent of each specific known specifically. Specific, each specific known sin specifically. I don't know if I said that correctly. Um, so in other words, and, and we're all guilty of this sometimes, just saying, okay, God, I know I've done some bad things, so whatever they are, just forgive me. You know, in case I forgot anything. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong again. But more times than not, um, we should be very specific because we we know specifically, right? Usually don't nobody have to stop at the end of the day and point out, okay, look. Now, sometimes we do. Sometimes we need that. But um, most often, it ain't hard to know. And, and, he, and you don't even have to wait till the end of the day. Usually we know after we've done it, you know. Um, so... Uh, Anyways, yeah, as you're doing it, before you do it, <laughs> yeah. So God has made full provision through Christ in the covenant of grace to preserve believers in their salvation. Thus, although there is no sin so small that it is undeserving of damnation, yet there is no sin so great that it will bring damnation on those who repent. This makes the constant preaching of repentance necessary. So there again, you know, they end up with some very good news. Very reminiscent. I'm surprised they didn't put Romans 8 in there, but very reminiscent of Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So, um, but we preach repentance. And and this is why we say we always preach the gospel. Because in the gospel is uh, the good news of Christ. But when preaching the gospel, you also always preach repentance. And not just for the lost people to be saved and have faith in Christ and turn from their sin, but for the saved people to acknowledge their sinfulness and turn and repent of those sins as well. And so, anyways, very well stated, and it's very some very good stuff in there. Back to section one. Um, this seems like, if you just read it over real quick, it seems like, this is why I pointed out, they're saying, okay, well, the only people that get repentance uh, that need to repent are the people who get saved later in life, right? Because if you're converted in your after your early years, but I, I don't think that's, obviously I know that's not what they're saying because these men who wrote this very much believe that everybody is saved in the same way. Even infants and unborn children who are elect are saved in some way God covers these things that need to be covered repentance to life so to speak but I think what they're trying to do um, I grabbed this book because uh, this is another book uh, exposition of this confession written by Sam Waldron it's been around for a while but he said he uses this, he uses this term crisis experience and what he means by that is he's saying I think what they're trying to guard against is this is the idea that the only people that are saved and really know it are those who have this crisis experience repentance. In other words, they've lived this long life, 
of sinfulness, and then they just get so overwhelmingly saved that that seems to be the norm. You know, like Paul, for example, Saul of Tarsus saved in the way he was converted. You know, and so there ha- there's a tendency, and we've talked about this before, there's a tendency for us to highlight those kinds of stories and then diminish the, well, I mean, God saved me when I was six, and I hadn't done any of these things, but that's still just as miraculous and marvelous, right? And there was still repentance there that God gave by the Spirit, even though it wasn't in later years after all this sin and all this um, you know, evil desires and pleasures. I think that's what they're mostly trying to guard against in, in saying that. It's kind of an oddly worded section. But does that make sense? Any questions about that? Because that does happen. And we tend to look at those stories and think, man, that's an awesome story. I wish I had a story like that. Well, you do. I mean, you were just as dead. You were just as uh, sinful. You might not have acted out those desires or those sins, but it takes just as much grace and just as much of Jesus and just as much of his blood to save any of us as it did Saul of Tarsus or anybody else that's ever been saved. And so um, I think sometimes we just have a tendency to look at those amazing stories. And they're, they are amazing and they're good and, and there's nothing wrong with pointing them out because it's an awesome thing when we see real uh, evil that we can see overcome because uh, there is something there is something um, satisfying about and just glorifying God and to see a, somebody that we know they've been living this way and then God changed them to this way right and sometimes we we see a child or a 10 year old and we think oh that's so sweet you know but but it's the same kind of salvation right I mean it's the same kind of sin overcome the sin nature is, is overcome. Somebody dead has been brought to life. So it's a glorious thing. So I think that's kind of the idea of section one. And there may have been some... Um, they're, they're fighting against a lot of things. Um, there might have been some things about um, the idea of child conversion. Because, see, a lot of people, especially on the other side, I know you have heard me say this, use this phrase Arminian but on the opposite side of from where we are those who really believe it's free will up to man to do these things they believed that if you didn't have this kind of thing then you couldn't be saved so you pretty much you know they didn't have a doctrine at all that would suggest that infants and children could really be born again if they hadn't really sinned a lot because they couldn't they either had to do that or they had to come up with something like an age of accountability and say well, everybody's saved until they get to a certain age and they've sinned enough to recognize they're not. And that's kind of where that came from, too, by the way. And I'm sure most of y'all, like me, was taught that. There's this age of accountability where you've, you've reached this certain number of sins, or recognition in your life. Um, but the truth is, um, I think the Bible teaches we're accountable from the womb, right? Because that's where our sin is come 
our sin comes from our conception. So we didn't have anything to do with it, but uh, we we got it. And so um, that's why I think, again, they're trying to guard against that and saying, hey, you know, um, some of these people are saved this way, but that doesn't mean that's the way everybody is saved. Um, well, everybody's saved the same way, but everybody doesn't have this kind of repentance to life as part of their effectual calling. And I love that they bring it back to God, right? This has to do with God's effectual calling. It's not just some, it's not some people live such a horrible life and one day they decide to turn over a new leaf and do something different. No, this is God effectually calling his people, and for whatever reason, he allows them to live the way they do for a period until, they, until he overcomes them and brings them to life from death. And, and, and at that point, he gives them repentance to life. And then, from then on, he'll give them repentance to salvation that will continue to grow and uh, become more and more sensitive to the sin in their life. Any questions about that? Well, the rest of this is um, pretty surface, but there's a lot of good stuff in there, too. So I don't want to rush through it. We'll we'll keep, um, we'll walk on through the rest of it later. I'm trying to remember what this passage was. Um, Titus, what does it have? Titus 3, 2 through 5. Is that what y'all's has? It says, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So it's just a passage to back up that idea that this is where some people are saved from, right? And, and, and that's probably some of our testimony, that we did live this life that, apart from it for a long time. And, hey, thankfully, not too long, not a whole lifetime, but um, very good. Any questions? I think we're out of time. <laughs>